Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Beyond the Gate Radio, our Sunday, September 9th, 2012 edition. We wanted to start the show a few seconds earlier, but the music did not want to cooperate. But hey, what can I say? That's radio. Did I hear a little chuckle in the background? (laughs) Yes, you did. Oh, my music person. All right. Well, I just want to say before I get ahead of myself that uh, we don't have shows every Sunday. We have them a few times a week, but next Sunday, September 16th, we're going to have a first-time guest, just like we do tonight, Christine Hallowell. She's an angel therapy practitioner and a medium uh, under Doreen Virtue. She studied, and she does angel readings, and she also does it on YouTube as well. She'll be our guest next week. But tonight, we have our friend Sharon Kincaid on. Sharon Kincaid is the founder of Southern Atlantic Paranormal, based out of Lexington, South Carolina. She started her journey into the paranormal at a very young age and has been looking for answers ever since. She has made it her quest in life to be there for others so that they do not feel that they are alone like she was. Even though she knew she was helping others, she felt something was missing on her journey. So she asked God, I know this is what I want to do, but I feel I am missing what it is you need me to do. Can you please help me so that I am on the path that you need me and want me to be on? 
This led Sharon to studying the darker side of the paranormal. She has been studying demonology and spiritual warfare since 2009. She says we all need to stand and fight for the light because darkness is at every corner and it is looking for ways to enter our lives. Sharon is a co-host on a popular blog talk radio show, or should I say, personally, a super duper popular paranormal well, talk radio show called Sci-Fi Radio, which they have a really uh, wide diversification of great guests all the time. So she's on Sci-Fi Radio also, along with her co-host, Donna Stewart and Crystal Preston and the rest of the group, which are all wonderful, wonderful people. They believe in promoting the positive in the paranormal field. They have been on the air for three years or more and going strong. Sharon is all about giving back to the community. So much so, she has started a charity called Para Caring for Our Troops. She has joined forces. Pardon me? I was just thinking that that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. She has uh, joined forces with Operation Gratitude in sending care packages to our troops. She thought, what better way to show how much we care for what our troops have done for us by sending a little piece of home to them so that they don't feel like they have been forgotten. And we support what they are doing for our country. Sharon is currently working on a paranormal book called Urban Legends, Folklore, and the Unexplainable. She had the opportunity to travel all over the United States to gather information for her book. She was amazed by what each state had to offer on these subjects and thought what better way to keep these stories going than to write it down and publish it in a book. Right now, there is not a publishing date set, but we're going to be talking to her about quite a bit. But I didn't mention who I was. I assume you are, but just to be polite and professional, my name is David Baker, and I'm your host tonight on Beyond the Gate Radio, and my co-host is my lovely wife, Sherelle. Good evening, Sherelle. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm great. I'm excited to be on the air. And yes, we have a show a couple times a month. And I like that we have such a great group of friends and people that we connect with throughout the Blog Talk community and the paranormal community, the psychic community. Um, our friends out there that are listening, coworkers that are at work listening, hello. And um, all of our friends and the people that have been on our radio in the past, the people that are planning on coming our radio in the future, and we just like to say hello to everyone out there. I'm very excited tonight to have our guest come in and tell us more about her book and her travels, and um, and also if someone's interested in getting a hold of them for help or um, to, for guidance, they also have a website. She'll be able to give us all, all the information when she comes on. And uh, David, I'm getting it back to you. 
I noticed that I have pretty much a list of topics of who we have on our shows, for example. And I haven't quite gone through the entire list yet, but we do have psychics, mediums, people that do tarot, astrology, healers, demonology, spirit rescue, ghost investigation, cryptozoology, EVPs, and the list goes on. Because our show, we stay open-minded, as we like to think outside the box. We do not judge anyone for their beliefs or belief system. We are here to educate and entertain you. We, as presenters, are merely the purveyors of information. So, everybody, feel free to call in. Our call-in number is, if you have questions, 760-454-7006. And if you don't need to call in, then just listen, because if you're ready, we will take you beyond the gate. Now we'd like to welcome our guest Tonight, Sharon Kincaid. Good evening, Sharon. Welcome to the show. Hi, David, and thanks for having me on. My pleasure. You know, this show can be serious, or this show can be just, you know, whatever. But we do like to have a sense of humor on the show, too, because it helps keep things interesting. And I know that you do have a sense of humor. I do. <laughs> so, your site, your website is a uh, Southern Atlantic Paranormal dot org. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. There's so many interesting things about you. It's kind of difficult to figure out where to start. I didn't write a script for the show. <laughs> Because I, I figured that after we talk a while, I'd end up throwing away the script anyway. So <laughs> I speak with you whenever I'm on Sci-Fi Radio, you and Donna Stewart and the gang, right? That's and, uh, and which, by the way, you're going to be on our show next Sunday. I am? Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I have a schedule. <laughs> you forgot already. <laughs> Yeah, just kidding. And we also have Sandy and Russ Wells there, too. Also wonderful people. So can you tell us in where in your life did you become interested in the paranormal? Supernatural, well, whatever a, you want to call it. Yeah. In a very early age, I used to have um, imaginary friends. And... Um, I, you know, to me, they were imaginary or they were real, but, you know, to my parents, they were like, you know, oh, she'll grow out of that phase. But it wasn't until I was 12 that um, my father passed away. And um, before he passed away, we used to have what we call our talks, where he'd sit in the recliner and I'd sit in the floor and, you know, I could ask him about anything and everything, and, and he'd answer it as truthfully and honestly as he could. And when he passed away, it was probably three days after his funeral, I was asleep in bed, and I felt him or felt something, you know, touch me on my shoulder, and I look up, and there's my father. And he says, we need to have one of our tops. So I go to the living room, and I sit in the floor. He sits in the recliner. And he tells me things that um, there's no way a 12-year-old is going to know. 
to the point where, you know, information like where we were going to be moving to, the house we were going to be moving to, to how many kids I was going to actually have. And till this day, he still comes and he talks to me about things. But after that incident, you know, as a child, the only people that, that we can talk to is, of course, our parents or somebody in our church. And I went to my mother first, and she was like, oh, you're just dealing with what's going on with your father's passing. And I wasn't happy with that answer. So, you know, I went to my priest, and I talked to him about it. And, you know, to me, he seemed like he was understanding and he was trying to trying to help me deal with the situation, but unbeknownst to me, he has talked to my mother and was like, you may need to see about getting her some some help with a psychologist or something because, you know, he didn't quite believe me either. And so I felt alone and that nobody was there to help me and nobody was giving me answers. And, you know, back then, you know, they really didn't have a lot of books or anything about this. You know, I went to the library and tried to figure out what I could on my own and I thought, you know, this is horrible to be 12-year-old and have these feelings and things going on with your life, but you have nobody to get answers to. And then after that, the more that I got into it, the more I started studying, I was like, I was never going to let that happen to anybody else because that feeling was horrible. I can relate to that. That's, first of all, uh, a rare and amazing experience you had when your father came back to visit you. Mm-hmm. Also, I see colors around you, so I know you have the gift. And um, when I was a youngster, my mother would tell me ghost stories before I went to bed whenever I got lucky. So I was very fortunate in that. My father never told me ghost stories, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's uh, very, very interesting. So... How did it lead? Did it lead you to start reading books on, you know, the afterlife or ghosts or anything like that, or did you, you know, oh, yes. pass things up eventually and eventually uh, join a paranormal group or something, or exactly what was it, what came after that when you really started to get into it? Well, I started reading everything and anything that that I could get my hands on. And like I said, that was like in the, you know, early 80s, and there wasn't a lot out there. You know, I mean, you had a few books, but not enough to where you were getting a lot of information. And then at 12, I was was getting these books from, you know, these huge universities that were doing all these parapsychology studies, which at 12, I didn't even understand what it was that I was reading but I was getting bits and pieces of information, and I was like, okay, there's got to be answers to this. And I found the more that I got into it, then the more I was able to to see things that nobody else could. And I found out later in life that my great-grandmother was the same way, but nobody would talk to me about that or anything like that. They figured if they didn't talk about it, then they would let it go. It would pass, and I wouldn't worry about, you know, trying to find answers, but as a child, that's the first thing you want to do. But as I got older, you know, and it was just my husband and I, it wasn't until, I guess, my husband and I was married probably three years or four years before I even told him the fact that I can see spirits. Because I kind of felt a little embarrassed 
because I didn't want him to think that I was crazy. <laughs> but that, I guess that's kind of how everybody is as far as that goes. But then once I explained mm-hmm. to him, you know, what was going on and, and everything, and he was like, well, you know, about that around that time is when, you know, all of the television shows were coming on, and he was like, well, maybe you should start a group of your own. And when we started it, it was just him and I. And now we have we have eight or nine members of our group. We have, like, ten family members in different states. And, you know, I pride our group and our, and our family members group to, you know, doing as much research as we can to help trying to educate the public and educate ourselves and, you know, doing everything we can to help those that are out there that are, that are terrified of what's going on in their lives. I like the fact that um, I like the fact that you guys are taking the scary factor, you know, trying to you know educate people and pull the scary factor out of it. Just like you said, it, it's it's hard being young and trying to um, find out information. And you know, it's not like they were writing things down; it was being passed down by word of mouth, obviously. And um, to now having it on TV where they, you know, have, you know, psychic kids, they, you know, they're showing it on TV and they're pulling the woo-woo factor out of it and, you know, that people are more open to it and not so scared of it. I think that it's a great um, achievement from where we've come. Yeah, because when you first came out, it was almost taboo because I, I look at things that happened, like, in history in the past and you can, I can't help but wonder, at least, I'm going to say at least 80% of individuals that, that were gifted with the site, they were put in mental institutions because they thought they were schizophrenic or they had multiple personalities or, you know, all kinds of things that was going on with them. And I think that if people would have just given them the chance to, you know, give them the chance or the knowledge to improve what they were doing, then, you know, they wouldn't have had the life that they had. You know, it's, it's really, humans are really funny about that in different uh, geographical locations around the world in different cultures. It's been found on cave paintings, you know, on walls and caves that are 25,000 years plus old, uh, Back in China, way before the birth of Confucius, people used different ways to contact uh, or communicate with the spirits of the deceased. In Greece, long time ago, about 550 BC, the philosopher and mathematician uh, Pythagoras encouraged his disciples to uh, try to communicate with spirits to unearth different revelations from the unseen world and they did it in Rome they did it you know in Australia all over the world the uh, Fox sisters in 1847 they started the spirit movement the modern spirit movement in America and you had Emma Harding and many other famous mediums in England during Victoria times doing it so it was accepted there but between the first and the last that I just mentioned, you had the Dark Ages, and people that had abilities like that were burned as witches. And then probably in the in the 40s up to almost modern times, 
people went dark on this again. And just like you mentioned, uh, if you're seeing spirits, you could be locked up, but now starting to come back again. And hopefully this time it'll be here to stay. It's just amazing. You know, have psychics, you have mediums, you have paranormal investigators, all kinds of people, you know, scientists researching this, trying to find answers. And I think that right now we are living in a very exciting time. And I know you must be excited, especially with your uh, paranormal organization that that you're the president of. Yes, that's good. And plus, you've traveled around the country. Let's talk about your book first. You've traveled around the country, um, looking at, I assume, certain known and well-known haunted places and areas to do research. And what was that like? Basically, what I did was, you know, I look at, I go back in time and I think, okay, a lot of Native Americans, in order for them to be able to keep their heritage alive, they would tell stories and they would pass those stories from generation to generation to generation. And I thought, you know, what better way to find out the local history than to find somebody of the elderly age and sit and talk with them and get some insight of, you know, what they've been through in life. And once you get talking to them, you find out all kinds of interesting tidbits about folklore or, you know, um, urban legends that they had when they were growing up and things like that. And I thought, you know, that would be make a very interesting book, not only for, you know, just to keep that history alive, but also for anybody who was visiting a particular state, they can check out the information themselves. So you're going to make a book compiled with all that information on? And yeah, because everybody's heard a lot. Everybody's heard a lot about like the Jersey Devil or the Mothman in West Virginia and things like that. But not a lot of people know anything about, let's say, for instance, um, Rhode Island. Rhode Island was the first ever known vampirism in the United States. And checking on to the history, yeah, checking on the history about this, there was a young, young woman by the name of Emily who at the time they said that she had died, died of um, consumption, which to us is like TB. So... She had died, and it was dead of winter, and, of course, the ground's too frozen in order to bury them, so they would put them in these little catacomb buildings that they had made out of stone and keep them in there until it thawed out enough in order for them to bury those who had passed during that time. Well, apparently, she she had a high fever at that um, when she supposedly had died, and she was actually in a coma. And so they put her in the thing thinking that she had passed away. Well, the younger siblings kept seeing her around the house, that she would come to the window and try to get in, that that she looked like she was blue, but she was because she was cold. And finally they were saying um, that she was going to, apparently what the, the, the story behind it was, that she was going to their, her brothers and sisters and apparently drinking their blood, and two of her younger um, siblings had passed away also, but they had consumption. 
So that's why they passed away, but they were saying that it was because she had come into the middle of the night and was drinking the blood. So they did finally get her body, and they burned her, and they took her heart out and burned her heart and fed the ashes of her heart to the remaining family members to keep her from coming back and drinking their blood. Wow. That's really interesting. You know, it must be because of the lack of knowledge back then. What you just mentioned reminds me of, it's either an old Outer Limits, but I think it's probably the Twilight Zone episode where this individual had an accident or something and he was completely paralyzed. Uh, He could see and feel and hear everything, but he couldn't talk or move. And it showed him on the uh, in the hospital, and the doctor said, "Oh, looks like this person is dead." So they covered him up with a sheet. Apparently, his heart rate was probably too low for them to to detect with just a stethoscope at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can imagine, and they're going to bury you, but they're going to take you first and cut you up and autopsy you or prepare you for the funeral. Boy, that was really a compelling episode to watch of science fiction, but what do you think? Do you think that that's possible that that could have happened in the past, over 100 years yeah, ago? Yeah, I think so in the past. I could see, you know, you hear urban legends all the time about somebody was buried alive. I mean, it's possible, especially with the, with the way technology is today. I mean, you can have a very faint heartbeat and be able to pick that up, but if you're used to an ephesoscope, then the chances are actually hearing that, you know, especially if it's a very slow and soft beat that anybody could be easily thought that they were dead and not beat. Is that why they had, uh, at one period of time, cemeteries with a, a bell and a rope attached to the coffin yes. and the bell in case the person wasn't dead and they could ring the bell? Yes. I wonder if anybody was there to hear it, though. That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It makes you wonder, okay, what, what would be the point to ring that bell if there's nobody there to hear it? Before we, we go further, because we have much to talk about, and we're going to get into some very interesting things, do you mind taking a question from a caller in case they have a no question? Problem. My telephone operator and co-host will bring that person in from area code 509. Hi, Hello. 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 Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi welcome to the show. Um, what's Hi. your name and where are you calling from? My name is Liz and I'm from Spokane. Welcome, Liz, to Beyond the Gate. Did you have a comment or a question for Sharon? Well, I have a question. I have a lot of different spiritual stuff going on right now. And I just wanted to see if you could guide me and let me know kind of what's going on. Okay. Um, could you be a little specific so Sharon perhaps well, can... I just started uh, seeing a lot of spirits in my house lately. Okay. Have you and seen so like... I don't know. Go ahead. Full apparitions or lights or shadows... Do you hear um, sounds? Mostly it's shadows and like small animals, shadows. Okay, I see sure. human shapes and animal shapes. 
Are you looking to have somebody come over and investigate? Um, I don't know. I'm not scared by these things. I just, uh-huh. but like stuff disappears all the time, and then we'll find it like a week later somewhere totally opposite. We'll search the whole house for something, and then it'll just show up. Well, one thing that I always tell any of my clients is that this is your home. And granted, yeah, these spirits are are in your house as well, but this is your home. And you have the right to tell them, listen, I don't mind you being here, but please do not take my things. Please not scare my kids or, you know, things like that, because it is your, it's your home. You have to take control over that. If you're wanting to okay. have somebody come in to investigate your house, I do have a sister group in Oregon that I can get to come to your house to investigate if you need that. Okay. Well, we just recently found out like two days ago um, that somebody had died in our house. Mm-hmm. And because we had been smelling like tobacco pipe smoke, and nobody smokes that here, but it was really strong in the bedroom. And so just a few days ago we found out that this gentleman had died in the room and that's what he used to smoke. That's interesting. I don't know if he's trying to get our attention, you know. You can try talking to him and ask him, you know, is there anything that you can do to help him or is there something that he wants, you know, to say to you or whatever like that. A lot of times, like, if somebody dies in their home and somebody else moves into it, they get a little upset, especially if you change things around some. But if you talk to them and explain to them that you're not there to change anything, you know, Uh that that you're willing to live there together in harmony, then normally things kind of mellow out. Well, I'm never scared of anything like that because my first son died just shortly after birth, and so I always feel like he's around protecting us. So I'm never really scared when stuff happens. Can I ask you something? Yes. Yeah. How, how long have you been at this, uh, where you live at right now, uh, your home? How? Three years this month. And activity just recently started. Am I correct? Just um, recently? It's recently become more apparent. I wasn't really paying attention to it before. But now that Did I, you, I guess, paying more attention, it just, is like more and more stuff is happening. Have you done anything in the house like remodeling or made any changes? We have. <laughs> okay, that's probably what started it. Yeah. And, you know, what Sharon said that, you know, I, it happened to me before, and I told the spirit that I'm making some minor changes to save the house so it doesn't, you know, rot or whatever. You know, I'm just trying to make it nice, and the, the activity stopped. But uh, that's what I thought. And also your children, too. Young children, most of them these days have are open to spirit, and sometimes spirit's attracted to beautiful children because they can see them and, you know, talk to them in certain cases. But I think the advice okay. that Sharon just gave you is really good advice that, you know, you can talk to the spirit Maybe turn on the recorder and see the response, or just have a talk with them and let them know that you okay. love the house, you live here now, and you're trying to, you know, improve it and not change it. 
and uh, okay. need any help, you can contact her group, her sister group in Oregon. Uh, may, okay. I, may I just ask you one question? And you don't, you know, have to give yes. any confidential information out. But whereabouts in Spokane? Um, in the north side. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much. Did you have uh, any other questions you wanted to ask Sharon or us before? You know, um, I just wanted to know if there was any way you could tell if um, my baby that did die is protecting us. Yes, most as a medium, as I'm saying yes. And okay. the baby has come in the form of a light, and uh, in the dream, and also around the other children, but for protection. So, and then I don't feel as a medium if there's anything. Uh, Manevolent there. I think that you know everybody's safe. Yeah, I, don't I don't feel any so negativity. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for calling. All right. Take okay. care. Okay. Bye. Well, Sharon, I'm glad I brought her in and didn't keep her waiting. But you know, usually we just get questions every now and then. Somebody needs help or something, but apparently she doesn't need help that much you just wanted advice so thank you for uh telling her that oh, what you said is common sense i think do, it will I, I do have a question for both of you so say um say you you do come across someone that is not so nice and you want that person out of your house. How, um, Sharon, what would you, if if so, if I were to be outside and I would, I say I have this person in my house, I want them to be out, what do I need to do to get in contact and what can I expect from your group? Um, like if you want to contact me, of course you're going to go to my website or you can call me directly or Facebook. I mean, I'm everywhere. <laughs> But um, okay. <laughs> you just contact us, um, and, you know, um, what I'll do is I'll just go through basically this is how I deal with the case. So you've called me, and I have a list of questions, and some of these questions are rather personal questions. But I tell okay. my client, you know, the reason that I'm asking these questions isn't because I want to know your business. It's because I need to know what I'm getting myself into in my group. So we try to make sure that we protect ourselves as we're protecting you. And we go through, we, we okay. get our questionnaires done. Um, I come to your house. We do an investigation. I take whatever information that I have, and I bring it back to the client. And once we give it to the client, it's the client's decision as to what they want to do next. I always tell my client up front and, you know, straightforward that this is your home. You have to take control over your home. If you want to keep your home and not want to have to move out of your home because you can't deal with what's going on in your home, then you have to stand firm with that. And, you know, we'll come in. I can come in and try to talk to the spirits and try to get them to move on, but they're they're humans. They're still spirits. They're still... They still have their own, own opinion about things and so forth and whatnot. You can't make something leave that does not want to leave. And I think a lot of people 
don't understand that. They think they call a paranormal group that you can come in and we're ghostbusters and we can just suck them up in a vacuum cleaner and they're gone. And that's not the case. I always tell them if the, the person that had passed away was mean and nasty when they were alive, they're going to be mean and nasty in their afterlife. And the same thing, if they're stubborn when they were alive, they're going to be stubborn in their afterlife. We can do whatever we can to help get them to where they feel comfortable enough to move on, but you can't always make them go. And I've noticed most hauntings that I've encountered and heard of are generally just regular people, harmless, just like you and me, and that the negative ones are actually more rare not as common, and the real nasty ones are even more rare. In fact, I was asking uh, Sandy and Russ Wells about it. They were on a show recently, and they were telling me the same thing, that, you know, the real nasty hauntings are, are more rare, more common, or just, you know, people that are there that, like the place, don't want to leave, or maybe they're confused, or perhaps, mm-hmm. like we just mentioned, uh, somebody is renovating and the spirits are upset because they don't want anything to change, you know. So that's very interesting. Now, as far as being a paranormal investigator, do you have advice to anybody about the dangers of the paranormal? In other words, if somebody was to start, you know, going to properties to investigate with others, maybe with, you know, types of equipment to find out if the place is haunted or not. Is there any thing that you can suggest that they do so they don't go in there and one day get uh, an attachment to them or have spirits follow them home and pester them? Well, I can, this is, this is from my experience. I don't advise anybody to do paranormal investigating because they don't know what they're getting themselves into. Um, when we have new members come to my group, they um, think, oh, well, it's going to be like on television. No. I literally scare, scare the crap out of them because I tell them the negative aspect of what I have encountered because it's not like television. Granted, yeah. You may come in and you may have, you know, Casper the friendly ghost. But I also told you that if you're nasty when you're alive, you're nasty when you're dead. I've came out of places with scratch marks. I've came out of places where I've had patches of my hair pulled out. I've came out of uh, places with a black eye, with bruises on my back, with bruises on my legs, being pushed up against walls, being pushed downstairs. So when you go into something like this, people, like I said, they think it's like television, and it's not. You have to protect yourself. And the more that you're in the field, the more likely you're going to get something attached to you. And you're taking that home to whether it's your spouse or your kids or whoever is living with you. That's good to know. I agree. And, you know, it can even happen to, you know, people like me. I've never allowed or had anything follow me from any of the places that we've been to. But I don't generally help people get rid of spirits. But I was helping this 
lady back east, and I'm on the west coast. Her home was haunted, and they've had the home for five generations, somewhere in New Jersey. And uh, one of the ghosts in the house they didn't like. And so I was giving her advice about how to get rid of it when it came to my house here. My wife wasn't at home at that night. And so now I had this nasty ghost just in a split second because she told me she felt it was behind her watching her type the email to me about how to get rid of it. Next thing you know, it's in my house, and now I had to get rid of it. And since I did that, <laughs> it's never come back for the last few years. It's been completely gone. I sent it to the light. But, uh, yeah, so it can happen to anybody, you know, well, even if you're is, careful. You can, yeah, you can walk into a local supermarket because you don't know the history of that land and what was on that land before that supermarket got there, and you can easily get an attachment stuck to you. But normally, hmm. they kind of just hang around to see what you're doing, and then they go on about their business. But then you get the ones that I I, I don't call them attachments. I call them kind of like moles or boils, and they kind of stick to you. And when they stick to you, a lot of people don't realize that they have an attachment. And when they do, their friends and family around them will notice changes in their attitude changes in their demeanor. You know, they may have been happy-go-lucky type, you know, Sandy Joe down the road, and then all of a sudden, within a week's time, this person is grouchy, they are evil, you know, they, they'll they start cursing, they'll, you know, just completely turn against all of their friends and family members, and you can't help but wonder what happened to this person. In addition to that, a lot of it they won't remember, right? They have memory gaps. Yeah. That's also another yeah. sign of overshadowing or attachments. And then That's very like, interesting. And you find out, you know, well, not too long ago, this person was in this, let's say, cemetery, was walking around, and something attached themselves to them. And, you know, it really you can do that. It's almost like a like a psychic vampire sucking your life out of you. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's true. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, they hang around bars and other places like that. For example, you know, if it's a spirit that was addictive and didn't want to go to the light, they may not attach to you if you're at a bar drinking. But if they, somebody there that's a hardcore alcoholic, they may attach himself to that person so they can experience it too. And then that spirit might cause them to continue to drink when they want to stop. And it could run into all kinds of problems. But all the signs that you just mentioned, you know, they can't hide forever. Eventually something is going to be noticed. That's very interesting. Now, before we go a little deeper, because it's starting to get a little dark here, and I know you're interested in that, uh, would you like to take another call? Sure. Um, before that next call, though, I do have a question that came out of chat, if you don't mind taking a quick question out of oh, chat. Yeah. Um, oh, the question is, ha- have you, um, this is from David and Karen, um, have you or any member of your group had an entity attached? Um, if so, how have you gotten rid of them? 
Um, I've had quite a few, and actually I still have two that um, are still here in my home. And I open my arms to these two individuals. It's an elderly lady and a little girl, and they've been with me for so long, and I don't have any intentions of ever getting rid of them. Um, I did pick up a really nasty attachment at Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Um, and I was going through wow. some of the things that I said. You know, I was the nice person, and then all of a sudden I hated the world. I hated everybody. I disassociated myself with everybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. If I did talk to you, I was very rude to you. And I was like, okay, something's not right. Um, I contact a good friend of mine, Jenny Stewart, who deals with attachment. And that's one of her her gifts that she has been given. And she helped me realize that I had something really bad stuck to me and that I needed to get rid of it. And um, she helped me. It took probably six months to get rid of that little booger. He was not given up on me. I mean, he was attached so tight that he was not going to go anywhere. Um, a lot of prayer, a lot of sea salt and lavender baths, um, a lot of holy water and blessings and everything, so eventually it's gone. And now, ever since then, I make sure that every member of my group, including myself, that I um, put holy water on the back of, your ne- uh, back of their neck with a cross and say a small prayer, because that's where they want to attach themselves. That's the easiest target for them to get to is the back of your neck. And every night after an investigation, we all end up taking a sea salt and lavender bath because that washes away any type of negative, whether it's an attachment or just negativity, period. It washes it all away. And ever since then, we've had no problems. That's very interesting. And, you know, sea salt is very powerful. It was said that they uh, took uh, Jesus and the Essenes were in the salt sea and, you know, got cleansed there. So whenever something that people use that give great power to it, you know, over a period of time becomes powerful. But in addition to that, dark entities, for some reason, don't like salt. So that really helps. Yes, now, is. is that the, also true when, you know, because you, you know how you hear about, I don't want to say urban legends, but um, my family is from the, from Texas, so they would throw their, they would, like, take a handful of salt and throw it over their shoulder. Have you ever heard mm-hmm. that? Yes. And I guess it's to ward off negativity or evil. Okay, okay, then that's what yep. it is. And also, yep. and salt makes your skin nice too. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. Yep. Okay, now before we forget about our caller, let's take a caller, and then after that, we're gonna talk about some more spooky stuff. <laughs> Sounds great to me. <laughs> okay, caller area code three six zero three six zero. You're on the line. Beyond the Gate Radio, with our guest, Sharon Kincaid. Can we have your name, and do you have a question for us? Uh, this is Sandy. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi, Sandy. Hi, Sandy. 
Hey. I just wanted to call in and say hi to my sis and, and tell her that she's awesome as ever. <laughs> oh, thank you for calling in. Yeah, thank and you, I Kat. wanted to tell Yeah, and I wanted to tell tell you guys the lady that called in from Spokane. I saw the man that, that she's talking about and and he's very nice. He just curious, you know, about everything all the goings on around the house and he's cool. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. We really appreciate that. I know she's still listening in, so I'm sure she'd mm-hmm. be happy to hear that. Now, feel free yeah, to... You... Uh... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, feel free to stay on the line if you want to, you know, jump sure. in and give out any advice, if you wish. It's, uh, we're lucky sure. to have you on, uh, two experienced people uh, with us tonight <laughs> on the show. And family at that. That's great. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I noticed that Sharon and I were exchanging some emails, and somehow demonology came up because I asked you, Sandy, and you really mm-hmm. haven't uh, got into it, but I understand that Sharon is, and she's telling me books like The Demonologist, The Vengeful Jinn, Shadows of the Dark, Hostage to the Devil and things like that, and um, so so Sharon, so you have you taken like an actual course of demonology, or how did you go about you know learning about it? Well, it was um, I was approached about them um, teaching this class. It was going to be an online class, and um, <laughs> and at first I was like you know. Oh, that's interesting, but is this really something that it's gonna that I should be doing, you know? And um I always before I make any kind of huge decisions in my life, I always ask God for guidance. Because even though I've been doing the paranormal, I just felt that there was something else that I'm supposed to be doing and I'm not doing but I didn't know what it was. So I was asked God, I was like, There's this class, is this what I'm supposed to be? Is this the path that you wanted me to be on? And it was probably about two or three days after I'd asked that question, and I still haven't decided if I was going to take this class, that I actually got a call a call for a client to come and investigate their home that actually was demonic in nature. Um, wow. I didn't know how to handle that because it's not something that I've ever encountered before. And I was I felt... Like I was when I was 12. I was lost. I didn't know how to help this woman. You know, she was terrified. Her kids were terrified. And I was like, okay, this is not good. Lucky for myself and for her, I did have a number of somebody that I could call, and um, a well-known demonologist, and he came in and dealt with the case. But to me, that was like, Sharon, you need to be doing this. And so... That's why I I, was, I accepted taking this class and started doing it. I've been taking classes for, ooh, let's see, I think it was in 2009 when I started taking these classes. When we started the class, there were 25 of us. When the class was finished, there was only one, and that was myself. Now, wow. that is interesting, and why do you suppose that was, may I ask? When um, Father was telling us, because it was a, it was a um, Catholic priest that was teaching this class, 
he told us from the very beginning that they that even though there was 25 of us, there would only probably be five of us left. And the reason being is because once you chose to fight in the light, in the spiritual warfare against the dark, you will be attacked. Your family will be attacked, your friends will be attacked, and you'll be attacked. And the next meeting, we were down four. Four had left. And they had did call in when we were having our, our online class and said the reason why is because they got visited by the devil himself. And the more people that, you know, the, the deeper we got into this, the more studying we did, and, the you know, the more in-depth everything became, the more and more people got attacked and they got out of it. I think uh, the big thing with anybody who, because there's paranormal groups out there left and right that say they have a demonologist in their group, I don't see how mm-hmm. that's possible. I don't either. If you don't take classes and you don't know what you're going up against, and if you do not have a strong faith in knowing that no matter what you encounter by dealing with the demonic side or the dark side of things, that God is there and God is going to be there to protect you and he is going to fight this battle along with you, then there's no way that you can be a demonologist. I I totally agree. You have to be solid on that. It has to be your calling. Don't mess with it otherwise, or you'll find out like so many have that came running to a priest or medium or somebody, a shaman, whatever they thought can help them get out of it because they got into something that they didn't know, you know, that was that dangerous. So when you go into a home, how can you tell, and I I also asked uh, Sandy this too, you know, if there's something nasty in there, like some poltergeist activity and, and people getting harmed, you know, many different things. Because uh, I know a human being that was like a, a criminal, a really bad person, for example, a jerk that died and is hanging around the home can cause problems and harm. How do you tell the difference when you go into the home between that and an inhuman spirit, if you're dealing with the paranormal or supernatural or the preternatural? First of all, they're not going to make themselves known. And that's, you know, I get calls all the time, oh, i got a demon in my house, i got a demon in my house. Well, first of all, they're not going to make themselves known. Especially if you are their perfect candidate for the, for to be possessed. If they want you, they don't want you to let anybody else know that they're that they're there. There are some cases though that where it's not actually a possession of an individual, but a possession of the house or an item or something in their in your home. And there are certain signs as far as that goes as to why or as to how to determine. If, there, if what is there is something that's demonic in nature, um, of course the, the most important ones that you'll that you'll hear a lot of is people getting scratched, and you always get scratched in threes. For some reason, three is like the magic number for the devil, but you'll have like three scratch marks. 
you'll hear pounding and scratching on the walls, on the ceilings, on the floor. You have the worst stench that you would ever imagine that you can smell would be in your house, almost like sewage and sulfur and, you know, rotten, boiled meat, all of the things that are that are in your house. And they also do a lot of kind of oppressing a person, making that person feel that almost like a paranoid feeling as if you step out of your home, then, you know, there are people out there going to get you. So they're going to try to keep you inside of your house so that you don't go out. And the more they keep you in, the more they wear you down because their sole purpose is to take over you. Because these these demons or are, are negative energies, whatever you want to call them, they can't live, but they can live through you. So they can take over your body and they can do things that you have no idea that you're even doing, blacking out and not realizing that you who would normally go to Sunday school every Sunday is now at a strip club drinking and doing other kinds of things that you would never have done before in your life. Wow. So there's different stages of attachment of the demonic or diabolical inhuman spirits. Am I correct? Different stages of that. If it's it's going to happen to somebody like uh, temptation, then oppression, then obsession, and then a full, which is rare, of course, possession, which is an attack from the inside, right? That's the highest degree of obsession is possession. And, you know, you're right. If another spirit is overshadowing uh, a person, then they will at times not remember a thing, just like you said. And uh, as far as... So a property could have a demonic attachment to the living there or an object or a person. So if somebody moved into a home that somebody practiced the dark arts and then some new people moved in there and they opened up a vortex or portal and the demonic activity is still there and, you know, they realized it after a while, they could pretty much move out and it'd be okay because the demonic is... Uh, more concerned with that location and following the people. Is that correct? It depends. Um, A good example of where this wasn't the case is um, a gentleman by the name of Bill Bean. I don't know if you know him or not. But he lived lived in a location um, in Glen Burnie, Maryland, and his family moved into this home. And you want to talk about a family who was living hell, that was their family. And that spirit, that demon that was in that house, followed them. So even though it was originated in that home, it still followed them outside of their home. So it can, it's, it's almost as if, let's say that, you know, you have a certain quality or you have a certain detail or there's something about you as an individual that this 
particular demon is attracted to. So even though you in you're in this home and it has control over you, but let's say that you move out, it can also follow you there as well. Because there's something in you that it wants. So if I may ask uh, Sandy real quick. Sandy, if you move across the country to get away from the spirit, will that work? If the spirit's following you? Uh, You mean a regular, you mean a a human spirit? Pretty much any kind of spirit that is interested in you. Hmm. Or does it make a difference? Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Yeah, absolutely, they can follow you. I think, you know, I, Russ and I both believe that uh, they can ride in your car with you and go wherever you, they want to go. <laughs> I, you know, a lot of people think that, that once there's a haunting in a home or a business or location even, that they can't leave that area. Well, that's not true. They can. They can follow you anywhere they want. It's like Sharon. She's got the little girl and the, and the older woman with her that she got someplace, and I know about the little girl because... I was telling her about it one night on a show, <laughs> but uh, I didn't hear about the, the the older woman, but they sound like um, they're good spirits, and there's nothing wrong with having them with you. I mean, it's just that much more protection as far as I'm concerned, but um, as far as demons go, I, like I told you, David, I don't know much about them. I've never encountered any. I've encountered some pretty nasty human spirits um, over the years, but... Nothing that I would consider harm, you know, that would harm you. Just try and make, you know, be a pest, so to speak. Well, well, thank you very much. And, and Sharon, so if somebody has that type of issue in their home, what would you recommend that they do? Utmost and first that, you know, I do is I always check and see what their religion beliefs are. I don't want to come into to a Jewish home and talk about things that are in the the um, oh, uh, the New Testament and try to get them to understand that this is how we need to deal with what's going on because that's not to me that is disrespecting how somebody's belief is. Um, we'll just say that you know I go into a Christian home. My thing to me would be that's why I don't call myself a demonologist. I call myself a spiritual counselor. What I do is I need to figure out why this is going on. What holes do you have in your life that you're allowing these things to come into it? And that goes back to all of the questions that I ask at the beginning for every investigation. You know, maybe these holes are alcohol-related. Maybe these holes are drug-related. Maybe these holes are abuse from physical or verbal abuse or whatever, and I try to help them get the help that they need so they can close these holes up to get rid of the, the, the devil or the demons or whatever that is plagued this poor person. My second goal is to get them back into the church because there is no stronger bond to fight off something that is demonic than the Holy Spirit. And so I try I- to help them. Go ahead. So go ahead. I was just going to say I, I agree. Help, I try to help them get back into a church that they feel comfortable with, that they can talk to about it. 
the next step, of course, is to cleanse the home. You know, I want to let, get, if, if I'm able to do the blessing, and I have done quite a few of them, if they allow me to, I can bless the home and try to rid the house of anything that is malevolent or anything that is going on in that home. But until the owner themselves can believe 110% that what I'm doing is going to get rid of what's in their home, that's the only way that it's going to stick. Like if I was to come to your house, your house and Sherelle is 100%, yes, this is going to work, this is going to get rid of it, and then in the back of David's mind's like, yeah, that's okay. You know, I'm going to show that I'm supporting Terrell, even though I know it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You can have the Pope himself come and bless this house, and it's not going to work. <laughs> right. Wow. So, I, yeah. I know that some people, when they, uh, some priests, when they exercise their house, they may do it differently than on a human that's possessed, you know. Walk through room to room and, and until it's cornered in the final room, and they might say they may not go through the full Roman ritual or anything like that. They just might do the litany, the psalm, adulation, which is calling on God's help, and maybe some gospel readings and some minor exorcism prayers or whatever. But do uh, you find that demons possession? whether it be a place or a person, is still rare like it was in the past, or do you find it to be on the increase? I don't ever think that it, was a, that it wasn't there. I think it was kept quiet. And a perfect example of that would be, you know, the hostage to the devil. And Malachi right. Martin wrote this book, and he did cases that the Vatican Church was involved in. So it's been around for a long time, but I think it was kept hush-hush. Because it's like now, even if you go to churches now, if you ask anything or ask them to talk about the, the darker side of things, they don't want to. Because they figure if they don't talk about it, then it won't happen. But I think there's the same amount of cases now as if they were then, but we hear more about them now because people are more apt to understand what's going on and accept what's going on to where they didn't back then. That makes sense. And, you know, it's a shame that they have to advertise these books, you know, on Amazon that, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with witchcraft and Wiccan, but, you know, there's other spell books with dark arts and stuff like that. Teenagers get a hold of it and they open up a can of worms, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is not really cool. And even people, you know, any instrument like a Ouija board with common sense and training could be okay, but if you don't know what you're doing, you know, you can get in trouble. Um, I was going to ask you something else, but... I forgot what it was. <laughs> oh, I, if you have to uh, write an explanation in a dictionary or a question and answer book, what is a demon? How would you answer that question? I would say a demon is a fallen angel who who felt that 
um, they were they weren't giving just dessert in heaven, and they figure out that the way that they can justify of working with Satan himself is to defile God in any way possible. Um, they're liars. They pretend to be angels of light when their whole sole purpose is to destroy and take over to, again, defy God. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, there's so many characteristics of a demon that it's hard to put in, actually, in the words of how to how to answer that question. So, so you're you're dealing with a fallen angel, which in fact is uh, an inhuman spirit. Yes. It's an entity other than human, but has powers of the angel. Uh, but is a fallen angel, and it's a dark entity, and it's uh, rebellious against a creator with total hate and it will try to destroy everything that's wonderful, nice, light, and it does what it can, and it, it deceives because it doesn't want its presence known so it could do more work and entrench itself deeper. Pretty much that, right? That's right. Have you ever encountered a, a possessed or partially possessed human other than a place I have um, and the reason and the only reason that I have other than the the one case that I had that started me on that was that was required for my class Um, I have to set in so many exorcisms in order to be able to get my certification to be a spiritual counselor Um, during these, of course, I was um, kind of the second-hand individual there. I wasn't allowed to actually do any kind of rites because, you know, that's given to, to priests or whatever. But I was there to do the prayers and to assist the priest in any way that, that I can possibly do so. That's interesting. Now, I've noticed that, no, not necessarily every time, not necessarily every case, but at a certain point in the exorcism, in certain cases, the voice of the possessed changes to where you know, oh, my God, that's not a fake voice. That doesn't even sound human. They may spit Mm -hmm. at the priests. Uh, They will possess inhuman strength. They may even speak in uh, foreign tongues. Additionally, they may uh, mention things that they could not possibly know. Those are other signs that the person is possessed. Am I correct? Yes, that was one thing. It kind of scared me a little bit because, you know, even though we're told that when you go in, do not speak directly to that individual. You do not look at that individual. You don't answer any questions to the individual. You said you kneel, you have your Bible, you have your crucifix, the rosary. You say you continue saying the prayers. You look down, but when that individual that that you're there to try to help exercise gets the demons out, they start telling 
your stories, your secrets. You know, you don't know this individual. That individual doesn't know you, but they know everything that you've ever done in your life. And even though you've been forgiven by God for all the sins that you have, it hits you like a brick wall. Because you're sitting there like, you know, I was in tears. Because I'm going to tell you, I was not a very nice person. I was I was not a nice person as a teenager. And I did things that I should have never have done in my life. But I learned from those mistakes. And I've moved on. And I've been forgiven for those mistakes. That's a part of, that's the reason why Jesus died on the cross, is so that we, we can be forgiven for what we have done. But when that that demon started telling my story and my life and I'm sitting there trying not to listen and I continue with my prayers and, you know, tears are rolling down my eyes, it brings it to home how real this really is. It's not a story. It's not something that's written in the Bible that, you know, you take on faith that is true. But when you're actually there and experiencing this and seeing this happen firsthand, it just, you know, it just completely blows you away. Oh, yes, I, I know. I can imagine. And so um, had you had some bad experiences, you know, I had to ask this, during the course of time that you were taking the course in, of demonology, you know, in other words, was the de- devil messing with you? I was in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, like we had mentioned before, I traveled with my job, so I got to go all over the place. And um, we had done an investigation at this uh, place called Harris Carney House. We were the first paranormal group ever to investigate this place. And when you walked in, it felt like you were at your grandmother's house, where you could put your feet up on the coffee table. You can go in the cabinet and get whatever you want. It was that comfortable. And as the night progressed, we all ended up upstairs in one of these bedrooms. And it was an older type of child bed that had the old slide-type railing that came down that was hatched, that was stuck together with these little latches. And we were there doing an EVP session. And um, I felt horrible. I mean, I felt like something was squeezing my heart. I couldn't breathe. It was hard, you know, to, the thickness in the room was just unbelievable. And the other people that was there investigating, they thought that they were speaking with a child. And I told them, you need to be careful because I don't think what you're talking to is a child. We continue with the investigation, and one of the things that I like to do after an investigation is take that sea salt and lavender bath and listen to my EVP recordings. And I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to this recording, and I hear, Sharon, if you come in this effing house again, I will effing kill you. And I was like, oh, my gracious. Wow. This is not good. So the next day, I go um, to the local Catholic church there, and I talk to a priest and explain to them what was going on and so forth and whatnot and um, had prayers, had oil uh, anointed, and, you know, felt so much better. And I thought, you know what, this little booger is not born to take control over me. I'm going to go back to this house, and I'm going to confront it. 
Well, that night, I'm sleeping in my bed, and all of a sudden, it was 3-3-3. I remember looking at the alarm clock. My comforter on the bed was pulled so tight on me, I could not move. I look up in the corner of my room, and there's this black, smoky ball ball with these little tentacles coming out of it. This most horrible stench of sulfur and rotten sewage, and these bright red eyes, and it was staring at me and hovering closer and closer and closer. And the only thing that I could think of at that time was the Lord's Prayer. I kept saying the Lord's Prayer over and over and over and over. Eventually, the bed sheets started to loosen up. I could get my hands around my cross around my neck. I'd pull it up and, you know, just saying the power of Christ compels you. Leave me. Leave this house. You cannot bother me. You cannot touch me. I am protected by God. And just as soon, you know, to me, it felt like it was hours. It was only 12 minutes. And it was over. Wow. Yes, so that if you are going to aspire to do something like that, they know it somehow, and they're going to try and stop you because they don't want an army of people coming after them. So that that does make sense, you know. And they're, that's, you know, the mist and everything. Now, when you investigate haunted houses, what's the difference between... Obviously, you can tell if you see something like that, it's probably demonic. And the difference between like a shadow going by or a a shadow that's a dark mass that's solid, jet black, that looks like a cutout. Kind of like, so I'm trying to ask you, a shallow person. Is a shallow Mm -hmm. person different than a human and an inhuman person like... Do you think a shallow person is an interdimensional being that feeds off of negativity, or what do you, what would you say a shallow person is? Um, I don't necessarily think that. I've only encountered to where I, I can say I've actually physically seen a complete shadow person. I mean, everybody will see shadows like in their peripheral vision, but I've only once seen a complete apparition of a shadow person and that was at the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. And um, those, I mean, that spirit itself, I don't think was negative in nature. I don't know if maybe, like, if that's how, the only way that they could make themselves known that they became as a dark figure. I know some people will tell you that if you see a dark shadow figure like that, that it's automatically something that's evil in nature. But I've never mm-hmm. came across anything like that. Well, before I, I take a call, because, you know, the time, show is going by quickly, I wanted to ask Sandy if she could tell me anything about a shadow person, if you don't mind, Sharon. Sure. Go right ahead. Well, I, I'm with Sharon. I, I don't think that just because a shadow person shows up as a as black necessarily means that they're evil. I think it just means that that's that's their way of showing themselves to people. They they're unable. They don't. They either don't have the energy, or they don't have the means to um, fully uh, reveal themselves. Like 
an apparition, you know, like a full apparition. So I don't, I don't think um, shadow people are necessarily evil. Um, now, I'm not saying that there isn't. They, they don't come in, uh, evil ones don't come in, uh, in dark, you know, in darkness, but uh, I've never encountered any shadow people that, that were bad as far as I'm concerned. So, okay. Well, thank yeah. you for that clarification because I ask you both because you have experience in these things. Mm-hmm. I just want to get your take on it. That's uh, That makes a lot of sense. That, it totally makes a lot of sense. I was wondering right. if we could take another caller because I can't believe we only have like 10 minutes left on the show. It <laughs> sure went by fast. Yeah, um, it always I does. Will bring... I do have a question for chat. Um, I have another question from chat, and um, you know how these shows, the shows, you know, if they're not getting any activity, they start provoking the um, spirit by saying different things. How do you feel, how do you both feel about provoking? Do not do it. Do not do it. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. These people, they were, they're human. You know, you're going to get more from being nice to them than you are being mean to them. Because to me, I'm going to tell you right now, you come in my house and if I'm a ghost and you come in and start yelling and cussing at me, by golly, I'm going to do everything in my power to kick your ass because you're not going to mm-hmm. disrespect That's true. me in yeah. my place. <laughs> Don't <laughs> do it. I'm with Sharon. <laughs> uh. I agree. I agree. I agree. I do agree with that. (laughs) Yeah, I I believe in being respectful uh, to them, you know, because after all, you are trying to get them to cooperate and communicate. So if you treat them with respect in death like you would in life, then perhaps you'll get better results. I've gotten better results by talking to, communicating with, uh, you know, those tricky little spirits that are out there, you know, by being nice to them than by yelling at them, you know. That's right. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And with that, let's take uh, let's take the last call. Area code 402. Area code 402, you are on the air with Beyond the Gate Radio. Um, can we have your name and where you're calling from? Thank you so much, Sharon from Nebraska. I need some help, oh, guys. Sharon. Hi, Sharon. Hi. I'm Welcome so to grateful you took my How call. How are you doing? Okay. How can um, we help you today? Well, since my son's murder, somebody has been vandalizing my house and stalking me, um, you know, doing things. I know it's connected with my son because they try to cut down the trees or uh, that I planted for him or pull off flowers, mean things like that. But I'm also seeing shadow. I called the police on what I realized later was a spirit, and I was really embarrassed, and I didn't tell them, of course, that I figured that out. So, I mean, there have been times when I thought, God, is this paranormal? Because, you know, what I'm thinking, oh, isn't that pretty? I'm so excited about that flower. The next morning it's gone. You know, they do weird stuff like that. But it's gotten more aggressive. They're slashing my tire and... I can see the body mark in my plants where they've been laying, you know, so it's kind of a twofold thing. One is can, you know, somebody tell me who is doing this to me? 
because I'm getting kind of scared. And the other thing is, what about the spirits I'm seeing outside? They are shadows. Hmm. David, you might be able to help with this one. Yeah. <laughs> did uh your your son did he um do anything paranormal while he was alive? Yeah, yeah. He he was very gifted all his life, you know. He could and I don't know what this was, but sometimes like, you know, he'd get mad or something and the candles would fly off the walls and Okay, um, did he stuff um, like that. He saw a couple spirits, I guess, in our house at the time, and he was getting scratches on his back before he was murdered, and um, there was some bad stuff. I've had a bath said in here, and um, just recently went around yelling very angrily, you know, with the holy water, because I was physically attacked in my bed, and that's never happened before. But, okay, I'm um, kidding that he messed with something, uh, and having mm-hmm. the gift makes it even more amplified. Perhaps unwittingly uh, brought something nasty in that is still there. Well, the people that murdered him did, for sure. And yeah. I don't even know who all they are. They got off. Two of them, I know, got away. You know, with it. And there's more involved. And and I don't. They, you know, it's not solved. I mean, the police just let them go. Murder in your house? Yes, ma'am. Hmm. And you know, I just recently proved to them that the bullet hole in my ceiling wasn't from upstairs, shot down like they said. It was an accident. You know, it was shot from down up. And there's, you know, it didn't go through the floor. And but the police covered up and have done nothing. And well, a lot these of people that, were bad. Yes, I think you need somebody like um, Sharon to come in there and make an assessment because there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. There's definitely some mm-hmm. very powerful negative energy. And I have a feeling that he may have been in a group that secretly evoked mm-hmm. nasty spirits. And mm-hmm. if they all have that in them, it's going to cause a lot, a lot of nasty stuff that's above average. And I think uh, somebody like Sharon, Sharon what, what could you tell her to do or to go for help? Well, I've had a man in start. my house. Okay, but it, it has it didn't stop it, did it? Um, it quiets down for a while, and it didn't stop, or did it? Well, um, stuff that I was feeling then stopped, but there's somebody like cursing me. There's somebody. I mean, you can You would not believe. Think I was crazy if I told you all the negative and horrible things that are happening to me on a daily basis. Oh, I basis. believe you. I, I, I totally believe you. And curses can be taken care of, also. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's just that the killer. W- there's a person that I suspect, and he has the tattoo of Satan on his back, and you know I know that he was involved, and I mean involved in the occult when he was in jail, and um, I don't know if he was involved in my son's murder, but I, I, since his death, well, I tend to think he was. Well, there's two things up. Uh, 
one, I'm sure that he was involved in something dark and secretive. And two, mm-hmm. you know, if you can get a couple of cheap cameras, cameras and put them around your house where there's problems, and maybe you can catch something on the camera and turn it into the police. Or the, you know, yeah, I just don't have any money. I That's exactly okay. what I should do, but I don't have any money the, to do it. The, the second thing, then, is there's a lot of people that do, will come in your house to figure out what's going on, other than the priest that does it all the time and they don't charge you any money. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I'm going to ask uh, you guys, Sandy and Sharon, what advice do you have or where could she go <clears throat> before we run out of time? Well, well, I would definitely um, uh, look up Nebraska Paranormal Teams on the computer if you have one, or have someone uh-huh. you know do it for you, and get uh, somebody that is involved in uh, uh, demonology. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, but I would make sure that I question them, and make sure that they have the right credentials. Isn't that mm-hmm. right, Sharon? Yeah. Yeah, I know of somebody in Iowa. David, right. yes, David. I was hoping, you know, since you are a medium, if you could maybe ask my son who it is that's that is uh, slashing my tires and stuff. Okay, send me. Uh, we're running out of time, so send me, contact me, and ask me and remind me at. Uh, let's see, what's my email address again? What's, what's my email address, honey? Oh, wait, wait, let me let me go to. I'll tell you what it is. I'm drawing a blank. My email address is medium David Baker. That's medium David Baker at comcast dot net. C o m c a s t dot net. Medium David Baker at comcast dot net, and I'll see what I can find out for you. Okay. I also want to tell okay. you one thing is that your son is still there with you. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, you know, I hate to do that to him, but I, we were really close. And uh, he wasn't involved with these kids that killed him. He just knew of two of them that he had tried to help in the past, but he was real um, anti-drug and they didn't like it. Because he was pulling people away. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Well, thank you so much for calling. I'll be looking forward to hearing you. Thank you for your help. Me. Sure, thank my you, pleasure. Ladies. God bless. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. So Bye-bye. much, Sharon. Thank you. Well, thank you both for being here. Uh, it was an incredible mm-hmm. show. It was interesting. The time went by very quickly. Uh, everybody, you know. We all our heads together. We get out some really inf- uh, interesting information. And once again, uh, Sharon, tell us how people can get a hold of you. Um, you can check out our website at southernatlanticparanormal.org. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Sharon Kincaid. Um, you can catch me every Sunday night on Sci-Fi Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. Um, and, yeah. you know, any questions, anything, you know, even if you just have a question and you want to ask a, ask a question about what you think is going on in your house, you know, shoot me an email, contact me, and I'll do whatever I can to help you. And, Sandy, what information do you have if people want to contact, uh, contact you and Russ? 
Oh, um, you can contact me at AskSandra at SandraJWells.com or Sandra J. Wells, or Sandra, yeah, Sandra J. Wells author at gmail.com or on Facebook. Well, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. This has really been an exciting show. We had uh, Sharon Kincaid on us. Uh, on the show with us, and uh, Sandy joined us too. They're all um, experts of the paranormal, and they're investigators and authors, and also radio hosts too. So make sure you mm-hmm. listen to Sci-Fi Radio, and you can also contact them on Facebook as well. Thank you both for being here. It's been an excellent show. Well, thank Thanks, you, David, for having me on. My pleasure, and uh, Sherelle. I wish you a good evening as well. I wish you all a great evening. Uh, Sharon, Sandy, thank you so much for being here and um, helping us finish up with the show. Uh, We had some great Uh questions, some wonderful callers, and great knowledge that you were able to impart to the rest of us. And remember, everyone, um, we're doing a show at least twice a month here on Beyond the Great Radio, Blog Talk. Remember to catch our family and friends also on Sci-Fi and um, check the blog talk to see who else is on. We have a lot of family and friends out there. I'd like to thank all of our people in chat. I'd like to always thank all of our uh, mentors and our people that are listening out there in work now land. And, and listen to me on Sci-Fi on Blog Talk Radio. Next Sunday, I will be... Next Sunday. Yay. Yay. Okay, everybody, <laughs> this has been Beyond the Gate Radio, Sunday, September 9, 2012. Thank you all for listening. God bless and have a great night. Have a great night, ladies. Thank you so much. <laughs>